On this episode of That's My Story Period, we talk with Cass Bliss Clemmer, trans artist and menstrual health activist. Today with me, I have Cass Bliss. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and so you consider yourself a menstruation activist. Um, can you just talk a little bit about why that's important to you? Um, what you want to impart on other people? Yeah, so I, I really got into menstrual health activism because I um, was really passionate in college about creative sex ed, and I wanted to develop new ways to talk about sexuality, talk about puberty, um, talk about gender identity in a way that wasn't so boring or wasn't so um, black and white. So I actually came up with the idea for a period coloring book called The Adventures of Tony the Tampon, and that kind of took off, and I got really engaged in uh, menstrual health activism, and I got really kind of nerdy about it, read all the books that I could. And so now I I mostly do work around um, gender inclusion in the menstrual health movement because now it's, you know, we've kind of seen a huge uptick in menstrual health being talked about in the media and different, you know, people's lives. But we haven't seen a lot of representation from trans and non-binary folks. Um, mm -hmm. I'm non-binary and trans. And so I like to use my voice in the movement to kind of provide that representation as much as I can. Yeah. And uh, uh, I know you've, so last summer, I believe it was last summer, that you posted a, a photo on your Instagram, um, and you got a lot of attention off of that, and that was fantastic. Can you just talk about the, the – let's focus on the positive experience behind it and, um, you know, the, the people that maybe reached out to you and thanked you and all that stuff. Yeah, so um, back in July, July 12th, I posted a photo of me free bleeding on a bench with a sign, Bleeding While Trans. Um, it's Periods are not just for women, hashtag bleeding while trans. Um, I posted that. It went viral. Um, it was actually the first time that I'd come out to a lot of people. So a lot of my friends and family found out that I was trans at the same time um, that the world found out. So that was interesting. And when I released it, I did get a lot of um, pushback, but I did get a lot of people who reached out who were really supportive or really encouraged. Um, most of the people that I heard from in a positive manner were actually uh, trans youth, trans and non-binary youth who were either not out yet or were still struggling with the idea of getting getting their periods. Maybe they hadn't gotten it yet or people who had had their periods and didn't know what to do with it um, and were having a hard time with their identities. So I got a lot of outreach from a lot of um, young people, under 18 kids who are in high school or still living with parents. A lot of people felt that their my story about being raised in a conservative environment resonated with them. Um, so that was really cool. I got to have some direct direct one-on-one -on -one experience with some people who were actually going through the same issues that I did years ago. Yeah. The um, photo was accompanied by this beautiful poem about your experience with feeling like it was like a betrayal of your body and your identity. And um, could you talk a little bit about that, whatever you're comfortable talking about? Yeah. Um, so about about the experience of what it's like, what it was like to get my period. About yeah, I think you got it at fifteen. Yeah, so I was fifteen or sixteen. I'd say I go between the two because I don't exactly remember. Um, but I do remember very explicitly the day. I remember actually getting it because my mother had told me, um, you know, that it's the day that you get your period. It's you know, it's what you hear from everyone that it's the day you get your period is the day you become a woman. It's the day you know you enter the potential of motherhood, and I really, really did not want to be a woman. Before then, I felt like I was allowed kind of the freedom to be androgynous as a kid. I, you know, I ran around without a shirt on. I 
engaged in a lot of activities that we would key as masculine. Um, and I just kind of was able to be myself. And I remember very explicitly that once I got my period, all of that changed because it was a very visible and regular marker that I was a woman, that my purpose in life was to bear children, <laughs> was to, you know, serve my husband, or, you know, be be the traditional woman in society, in, Christ- in conservative Christian society specifically. And I never saw myself as a woman. I didn't want to be a woman. Uh, when I was told that my hips would grow, I just immediately burst into tears. I never wanted that. Um, I actually used to, back when the rumors were flying about, um, about uh, um, microwaves and laptops causing uh, infertility, I would actually take my laptop and put it on my lap because I wanted to make myself infertile because I didn't want my hips to grow. Um, I so desperately didn't want to be a woman. I didn't understand exactly what gender identity was, but I knew that I did not want to look like a woman. I didn't want to look like my mom. I didn't want to look like my sister. Um, And I knew that every day that I got my period, I got closer and closer to that image that I was fighting against. Wow. Uh, That, uh, and I guess the the community around you was probably not the most open to you talking about it either. You said you were a conservative uh, community, right? Yes. So my I was a Baptist missionary kid, so I was raised in a very conservative Christian community with um, all white folks um, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And it was a very close-knit community, a very, very um, traditional gender roles, role community. We had, I had friends who were girls who, who women who like weren't allowed to go to college. Um, you oh, know, wow. I, I had, yeah, I was friends with people who weren't allowed to watch uh, Snow White because there was a witch in it. Um, I mm-hmm. had friends who weren't, you know, who were women who weren't allowed to wear pants. I was lucky enough that um, I was given the freedom to wear clothing mostly because I had older brothers. So I wore their clothing a lot. Um, so I was able to express myself when I was younger, but to talk about any of that stuff was so taboo. And I didn't even have the language with it because I wasn't, we didn't have great internet connection or electricity and actually our missionary bandwidth um, blocked a lot of websites. So I, I oh, couldn't yeah. actually get any exposure to any kind of pop culture references around gender or sexuality. Um, so I just had no concept that it was even there. So it wasn't until like after 18, would you say? Yeah, it wasn't until college, yeah. Um, and was that kind of a... A big awakening was that at least a, a better positive experience like you had more of an outlet and obviously now you've you've wanted to become this voice so I'm assuming you know you found a a group a tribe a you know community yeah yeah a chosen family um I did I when I went to college I didn't understand um Gender took gender identity took me a lot longer to understand than sexuality. Um, that was a lot easier for me to translate my gender identity into because we talked about you know like butch lesbians and things like that. So that was easy for me to be like, oh, maybe I'm just gay. Um, so actually, my senior year of high school, I was able to get a couple episodes of Grey's Anatomy, and I used to watch um, Arizona Robbins and Kelly Torres, who are two lesbian doctors. Mm-hmm. And so I went to my father and I told him that I wanted to be a pediatric surgeon. But uh, when I graduated high school and went to college, turns out I didn't want to be a surgeon. I just wanted to be a lesbian. Um, so I ended up coming out as gay, and uh, that wasn't enough for me. But a couple years, probably like two years or a year, a year after college was when I really started meeting people who were trans. Again, it had just been something that I wasn't really exposed to when I was in school. wasn't really exposed to at all. And so I started meeting people and meeting Meeting people who are trans was really influential to me, especially people who are non-binary. I mm-hmm. thought that 
in order to be trans, again, you had to choose. I want to be a man or I want to be a woman. And I was like, I, I'm not a man, so I'm not trans. And I had that kind of rhetoric in my head for a really long time until I met some people who were like, you know, they don't identify with the gender binary. Um, and I'd studied gender. Theoretically, I knew that gender is a social construction and all things like that. But mm-hmm. when it comes down to living your daily life, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't until I was about 23 or so, uh, 22, 23, that I really started meeting people who were in this movement. And I came out pretty recently um, as non-binary and just really have embraced it from then on out. Again, like I said, my when I kind of made my foray into this world of trans activism was with the viral photo where everyone, everyone in my life found out at the same time. Yeah. And so now you, you are dealing with it in a very public way, <laughs> which is great for, you know, I th- it's always good to have representation. And you, like you said, you have, you know, young people who are going through it and trying to figure it out. And it's nice to have someone to reach out to. Um, just to go to the day to day, I, um, I remember, I, I believe I've read in one of your interviews talking about even just choosing a bathroom when you are on your period. And how that has so many layers um, to it, not just like the literal choosing, but like who you would interact with and all that stuff. Yeah, I have to be very careful on the day to day. um, There's so many different things that come into having your period while not identifying as a woman that we don't necessarily think about. So choosing a bathroom for one um, in spaces where there's no non-binary or third bathroom option, I have to make a choice. I have to decide, am I going to go into you know, the women's restroom and know that there's going to be disposable bins for my tampons or pads or whatever I'm using? Or do I risk going into the men's restroom and having to carry that out with me or risk, you know, dropping my menstrual cup and having there be blood on the bathroom floor, which I've done before, um, or having to smuggle the tampon out of the stall because I we don't have any disposable bins in the stalls. Um, or smuggling a tampon into the, into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always that kind of concern that you know, people see, see people find out. What if you spill on your pants? You walk out of the stall with blood in your pants in a men's restroom, presenting like a man. It's it's a lot. It's really confusing. It can be very confusing to people, and also can be very dangerous. So depending on the time of day, depending on what where I am in the city, honestly, it all I really have to just take all of that into consideration. Um, I've recently started testosterone, so I'm uh, about three and a half months on testosterone now. So. That's been a huge thing too, because I still get my period. Actually, mm. um, it's lo- it's longer than it was before. Oh wow! Um, so my period is heavier and longer, which is so frustrating. Yeah. So uh, that's very. Well, my, sorry, that's yeah. just very. It's very interesting uh, with it, testosterone that that would happen. Yep, it happens, and um, and so my phys- but my physical appearance is starting to be presented as more masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times I am more more frequently being referred to as a man or having people say sir, um, which I don't necessarily like, but it means that I'm a little bit safer in the men's rest- men's bathroom, but it means I'm less safe in the women's restroom. So before I could just very easily just go in and pass as a woman and use my tampon, it wouldn't be a big deal. But now I do get a lot more looks. I get a lot more people. Um, I had someone like shuttering their child out of the bathroom when they saw me. You know, I get some kind of issues now that my uh, physical appearance is changing. Wow. Um do you have you found as you've been you know in the space that there are more gender neutral bathrooms are people like being more um, cognizant of it or is it still Um, uh, a lot of the conferences and things I go to for activists in the space do 
you know, I'll, I usually reach out to people ahead of time and they do like make sure that there's an option um, just on the regular day-to-day life in D.C. I believe that there's, I have to look this up, I think there's a city statute or something that requires a certain, that requires certain establishments to have a third bathroom option. Um, my workplace, thankfully, is very affirming and we have a third, third bathroom option as well. So most places that I go to in the city do, but if I travel anywhere outside of that, um, or, you know, I was in North Carolina with my family this Christmas, you know, other places may not have that option. Or if I'm driving and I have to stop at a gas station, those are usually the scarier moments when I have to stop at a gas station in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. All right. Um, is there any other, like, day-to-day things that you um, have experienced that you would be open to sharing um, or anything that you want to touch upon that just to give the listeners yeah. an idea? Um, yeah. There's. I mean, there's uh, other things that come with it, like um, – choosing a you know menstrual cup to to buy or tampons or pads everything's coated in these colors that we see as feminine and masculine and every time you have to go into the product line you know you feel like you don't belong there you feel like those products aren't made for you when they're you know covered in flowers and pink and purple not that that necessarily means feminine but we we key we target and we advertise menstrual products as for you know the feminine woman um, so I buy products and I, you know, I get weird looks and I have people that are uncomfortable with me or comfortable with me being in the aisle. Um, I have, uh, experiences specifically physically around my breast size. So my, my boobs swell when I get my period, I haven't had top surgery. So I, that's always been a side effect when I get my period is my breasts will swell a lot and they swell so much that I can't actually wear my favorite tight binder. Um, so I have to wear a looser binder, which means that I have more of a chest. And what I noticed, at least for me personally, most people look at, look to my chest to determine whether to call me a man or a woman or like how to refer to me. Um, so when I'm days that I'm not wearing a binder or I'm wearing a sports bra and I have like a visible chest, I'll get called a woman a lot. So I'll get misgendered a lot more often. Whereas when I'm able to bind, um, people still, people don't misgender me as often. They kind of don't really try to refer to me at all because I look confusing, which is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. But when I get my period, I get misgendered a lot more often as a woman because I have to wear a looser binder. So my breasts do show. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Well, that is, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I think yeah. this is super uh, – this is going to be really helpful for a lot of people to be listening to it. And uh, I wanted to move on to something um, – that I found super fun, which is the Tony the Tampon uh, coloring book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, you know, obviously the inspiration is there, but why a coloring book um, over, you know, any other kind of outlet that you could do? Um, I wanted to provide um, kind of a blank slate for people to approach menstruation in whatever way they're ready for it, instead of kind of prioritizing certain pieces of knowledge, like saying, you know, we, I want you to make sure that you know what each part of the uterus is, like that should be on page one, or, you know, something less important is going to be on page six, um, you know, instead of deciding which which topics people should be focusing on or should be interested in, um, I wanted to create something that was very blank, something that uh, parents or educators could use for even younger children who maybe aren't ready to talk about it, or maybe who don't want to talk about it yet. Um, it kind of having a coloring book allows people to physically interact with the material as well as allowing them to ask any questions that they have about it and kind of spark a conversation as opposed to deciding what parents should be talking about with their kids. 
Um, that's the biggest reason I wanted to do a coloring book because I didn't want to prioritize any knowledge or push any knowledge on people that weren't ready. And I wanted it to be something that was accessible for even the youngest audiences. The characters have a lot to do with my gender identity as well. Um, Tony was specifically T.O. and I, the tampon, um, because I wanted a gender neutral name. This was actually before I even came out um, that I knew that I wanted kind of representation in that way. So it just kind of happened to be something that I was working on before I was even willing to tell other people about my own identity. So uh, Tony and I actually kind of came out about the same time when I was finally had the strength to do that. But I have like Sebastian the Sponge. I wanted to make sure that there was, you know, like different, different kind of names represented in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of fun with the Instagram that I have. Tony the tampon has googly eyes. My mm-hmm. one of my one of my dreams is that I'd really like to have um, this kind of be the, the flat Stanley of the period movement. Um, I'd like people to start, you know, taking photos with their tampons or period products with googly eyes. Um, I've had a couple people do it, and I'll post, I'll repost them all the time. Um, <laughs> but it's just kind of this fun idea that I have on my Instagram that's um, that kind of challenges why we should be ashamed of uh, taking our period products out when you know at the same time. It, maybe it's not necessarily shame for me that I hide a tampon, but it's also like worrying about my safety in mm-hmm. men's restrooms and things like that. So I really want to open up that dialogue as well. And I use kind of my comical Instagram to do that. Uh, yeah, that's always my thing is if you can reach someone through comedy, then you're like teaching them without realizing you're teaching them because right. <laughs> they're laughing. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. So and so the Instagram is. It's just Tony the Tampon? Tony the Tampon. T-O-N-I. So it's a gender neutral name. Um, When I was getting a lot of like pushback, a lot of people just spelled it T-O-N-Y just because they just didn't have any comprehension of the conversation I was trying to have about gender identity. Um, But the coloring book itself doesn't actually say anything about that. It just uses, again, it's it's a book that doesn't demand anyone to have any conversations they're not ready for. It just Mm -hmm. has the name of the characters and... You know, I feel like parents who don't want to talk about gender identity really can just kind of write that off. They don't have to engage in that, but it's there if they want to. Um, so with the pushback, did you find anybody that you actually were able to have a dialogue with, um, you know, and maybe like open up their minds a little bit more? That's always the hope. I know. <laughs> yeah, but. I I not personally. I did witness a lot of conversations. I just, I had a rule. This is the second time I've been attacked online um, aggressively by trolls. So I have a rule now where I just don't engage in the negative commenters, even if they're, you know, like, even if I can tell that maybe they're coming from not a negative space, if they're being, you know, offensive or using language that really triggers me, I just don't, I don't really engage with people who comment unless they're um, actually just like seeking more information in which case I will, I will. But I, I did see a lot of dialogue happening between other people. Um, I mean, there were like tens of thousands of comments on, I think one of them was at George Takai or whatever, who reposted it. Um, and there were actually a lot of really interesting conversations being had with other people. So there were dialogues happening with other people that had, had seen the, the photo and wanted to talk to um, others or kind of a, address some of the transphobic language that was being said. So I did see some of that happen. I saw some of the people who, you know, originally started commenting with really hateful speech get kind of addressed. And I saw some of those conversations being had, which was really encouraging to me. I just don't have the energy or space to be part of them myself, especially when people are targeting my own identity. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you if you're watching it out um, happen with the supporters, then and 
then they're doing the job for you because they probably realize you need that self-care. We all need the (laughs) self-care, please. One of the things we talk about on the show a lot is all of the different options um, to deal with your menstruation. So um, it's like the the menstrual cup is always the one. Actually, I will say the sponge. We had um, someone come on and talk about using the sponge and that I – haven't I? I hadn't um, even heard about it before having her on the show. Have you used a sponge yourself? I have. Yeah, that's part of the reason I um, have it in the coloring book. I tell my friends that it's like the sweatpants of the period products. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's just a really, really comfortable version of a tampon. So it's like an um, I, it's I'll you know if I want to be really comfortable, I'll either use period panties of some sorts or period boxers or I'll use the sponge because it's so comfortable to me um, because you can trim it to whatever size that you want Um, and it's just yeah it just expands to who you are but I've had friends who really don't they don't they don't like the way it feels but I I think it's super comfortable oh interesting um so I just wouldn't wear it out though (laughs) what do you mean I wouldn't wear it kind of like out in public um not because I'm ashamed of it, but because the way that I like to trim it, it doesn't hold enough for me to wear like out, uh, got it, out got it. everywhere. So, yeah. Um, have you then also used the menstrual cup and, you know, tampons, pads? And- yes, I've used a lot of menstrual cups. Um, I actually, I, um, I don't have a favorite product because I use different items depending on like need or how I feel or really just availability. Um, I have several menstrual cups. I do like using those when I have a heavier flow. Um, but I like to switch it up with, um, tampons and pads. Um, and then, if I could, I, I would wear period boxers all the time, but those don't always hold all my flow. Uh, got it. So I was just, I was actually going to follow up cause I was like, I heard you also say panties and, bo- and boxers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, um, but you said they, they don't always hold it. No, not, com- not, not, not fully, not enough for so that I'm comfortable through the entire day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll sometimes double up. A lot of people do. I also just really prefer wearing that when I'm at home. Um, it's something that I like to take either my tampon or my cup out, and then I'll wear a box. I'll wear boxers. It's like when you get home and you want to take off your tight jeans. It's kind of how I feel about my period. As <laughs> um, so I'll go home and I'll take out my cup or my tampon and I'll put on a pair of boxers or. Um, or use the sponge or something else. Um, so it really depends on where I am or what I'm doing. If I was at a like a professional conference that I was going to have to be at and standing for a long time, I would definitely use the menstrual cup. I try to use that, or I try to use the cup or the boxers a lot more than anything else because um, of just uh, environmental reasons. I, mm-hmm. I just don't like the concept of all of those tampons going ending up in landfills. Yeah, we had a, a company on um, that their big push, it's like a Dollar Shave Club, but for menstruation products, and their big push is it's all organic, but it's all biocompostable as well. So yeah. um, I think that's the way things are going because people are realizing more and more they're such a massive part of the population that uses um, menstruation products. And then, like, you just need to figure something out in that realm. And also just like um, be kinder to all of these people who are using it because, um, I mean, there's like also the, you know, the ta- like they call it the pink tax, which obviously right. is gendered. Um, but they, you know, getting rid of that because that deals with um, economic issues as well. There's just a whole, uh, it's a whole subset of society that people are trying to ignore. <laughs> yeah, no, Absolutely. 
and a lot, for a lot of this doesn't affect me, but for a lot of um, my compatriots, for lack of a word, for a lot of people in my community who are trans or non-binary, um, who have dysphoria around um, their like genitalia, they have. A, um, there's a lot of people that have issues inserting because it reminds them that they have that vagina, that they have that vaginal hole. Uh, so a lot of people. So that's also a big difference why people choose different products, especially mm-hmm. if they're trans or non-binary, is that they don't want to insert anything. Um, I also have a lot of, you know, cis friends who feel similarly about not wanting to put anything inside of them. So they prefer like panties or the pads. Um, but again, hope, thankfully we're starting to come up with like a lot more different, um, reusable and sustainable. And like you said, organic options for mm-hmm. people so that we don't have to deal with that. Yeah. And I mean, the, the other thing, and I'm sure, um, that you've seen this in your like activism work is even on a, uh, globally, the taboos and stigmas around it um, actually uh, affect people in ways that like, you know, young girls and young people like will full on just not go to school. And then you're like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> or they're yeah. they're literally like for the the time that they have their periods are um, separated from the rest of their community because they're considered unclean. Um, and so it's stuff like that that is. uh, uh for something that happens to so much of the population, it just boggles my mind. But um, this has all been a, a super interesting journey for me to get into this world and learn about it and go down these rabbit holes of like how much this affects people when it's something that, you know, comes, you know, it's supposed to come once a month. Um, and it just is a, such a shame that uh, no one is is dealing with it. And I'm sure that's obviously part of the reason that you're doing what you're doing as well. Um so it's just like a matter of talking about it more and, and making people more aware of how much something like this affects people in so many different ways and so many different levels and so many different aspects of life. And um, I just thank you for, you know, being a voice and being open to talking about it all. Yeah. Well, then thank you for having this podcast. Similarly, like being able to spread the word and talk about it openly is what's going to help push that conversation to the forefront. Yeah. Do you... um like what's what's your next steps? Like what are you hoping to do next? Like what do you want to kind of get out there? Um, as I so I'm doing I do a lot of uh, consulting work with um, nonprofits and for profits in the menstrual health movement. Now I'm trying to help push people to use more gender neutral language. Um, personally, I I did take a bit of a break after the um, photo released just because of the just massive amount of. <laughs> Lash, uh, like lashback that I got, but um, I have been doing a lot of work in just the general creative education space. So I'm really not just a menstrual health educator or activist. Um, so I'm starting to I'm working on another book um, that's not going to be about periods, but it's going to be about more kind of creative things about gender identity and um, so it's similarly accessible to a large generation. Um, large population of generations. So I'm still doing work in period activism. Mm-hmm. I've kind of taken a little bit of a self-care break from it and to engage in some of my other creative stuff. But I am still working with uh, companies and for-profit, non-profit organizations to kind of help with their own messaging and, and missions. That's great. I know you've had some younger teens uh, reach out to you um, after all the photo and everything. So do you have any like words that you would want to just say overall to those who are, you know, starting to get their period and dealing with it? Um, anything you wish someone had 
said to you or that you could have asked somebody? Um, I think that something I, I do get asked this question a lot. And the biggest thing that I say is that I wish that someone had been able to tell me and I want people to know that your period doesn't define you in any way, um, whether that's on like any kind of level, but specifically with gender, it doesn't make you a woman. The fact that your uterus acts like a literal sponge and just squeegees out some blood and tissue once a month or so does not mean that you are someone that you're not. It doesn't mean that you have to be a woman. It doesn't mean that your um, life is now something that you don't have any control over. That's the big thing that happened to me was that it was a huge marker for a point in time when I had no more say in who I was going to be or who I wanted to be. But uh, it doesn't have to be like that. It's a biological function that really has nothing to do with society's way of categorizing people. So Tony the Tampon is available on Amazon? Yep. So the coloring book's available on Amazon. Um, Just Google Tony the Tampon and it'll pop up and it's there. Um, It's usually about $12, but it's most often on sale for $10 um, or $9.99 and people Mm -hmm. can get it there. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a fun thing. Usually a couple months out of the year, I'll, I'll donate the proceeds to, um, some kind of organization I've donated to Planned Parenthood and the, um, Trevor Project or the, uh, Trans Lifeline, the suicide hotline for trans kids. Um, so it, and the rest of the rest of the, pro- the money that I get from it goes into any other future artwork that I do. Um, so really, yeah, if people want to check it out, it's on Amazon. Um, I also have an Etsy page that I sell little buttons that say I support all menstruators and things like that. It's all under Tony the Tampon. I don't have any other questions myself, but of course, if you want to shout out to anything else or if you want to um, touch upon anything else, by all means. Um, no, that's about it for me. I mean, if, if, if anyone wants to follow my individual journey, we mentioned that I, uh, testosterone has different effects on people's menstrual cycles. For me personally, it's made them longer, which has been frustrating. Hopefully one time at some point they'll stop. Um, but right now they are longer and I do kind of discuss this pretty openly on my own Instagram page, which is Casper's Clummer. Um, and people, if people are interested in what's happening with my own body and menstruation, they can follow that there. Um, on Tony, I don't do as much of that, uh, serious conversation around my own transition, but if people want to follow that, um, I do speak pretty openly about it. My cycles now are about seven days long <laughs> where they used to be about three um, and they come at random. So it has been very fascinating to try to figure that out. Yeah, that actually, um, that's how I was when I first got my period. I would get it for almost like it would be a week and a half and I would get it about eight times a year. And it was yep. the heaviest thing. Um, so I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's it, it's interesting because a lot of the feedback that I got from people with this photo that I free bled, they were like, you know, just get on testosterone. Like, why are you know why are you talking about this? Why don't you just fix it? Like, just go on testosterone, it'll fix you. And like, aside from the fact that you know people may not be ready to be on testosterone or may not want to be on testosterone, that you know you don't have to be trans, you don't have to be on testosterone to be trans. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always do that. It doesn't always stop your period. Um, the hope is that it does eventually for some people, um, but it, it doesn't always do that. But it's funny because that was the big thing that people were like, just get on testosterone. And I'm like, well, I am. So, mm, Everyone, yeah, everybody is different. So <laughs> yep. you can't always just describe to what works for someone else. Well, thank you so much, Cass. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to hear more period stories. And check out thehotgoss.com, politics for smart mouths.